good news, everyone. Everyone, welcome for another episode of the Broken Bougie Podcast. I'm Quinn. And I'm Chrissy. Welcome, guys. As you guys always know, my voice is gone because <laughs> I've been, you know, yelling at someone. She's been drinking. Whenever Chrissy's, whenever Chrissy's voice sounds like that, she's either gotten to an argument. That is not true. Or Lately, she's been, she's been yelling at people. And not even on the internet, like in real life, unfortunately. Gosh, what is so wrong with me? Everything. That's You're joined with our friend Mike. He's a childhood friend of Kristen and I. Um, Also owner of Be Good Temecula and all kind of other businesses. He's rich, ladies, so, you know. Don't say he's rich. (laughs) Mike, say hello. Introduce yourself. False advertisements. <laughs> As he pulls his chain. <laughs> Guys. Mike, Hello, introduce uh, yourself. Hello, my name is Mike. As uh, Quinny said, I'm a childhood friend of, uh, of them and very pleased to be um, joining them today on this fun podcast. I heard a lot of good things about it, so I'm excited. Yay. Yeah, Mike is also um, a model for hire. If you guys want to send him his um, your merchandise, he is like the best spokesperson. That I am I the best ever. plug. I am the plug. You're you the need plug. to have some money because if you don't have any money, then it's it's not going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> He's not like the other influencer. He charges. So. Yes. He's like the fake influencer that you know. I have watched, and I told you guys all to watch on HBO Max. Very good documentary, by the way. What's the documentary? Oh, the fake influencer. The fake influencer, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I remember that. So, Um, Mike, we brought you on today because we wanted you to talk to us a little bit um, about being a business owner during COVID, opening a business during COVID, because you have managed to open, sustain, and run my favorite place to go to in Temecula, personally. <laughs> and, and, and you, you know, are a regular. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, he called you out. Queen. I have one job. You have one job. You know? <laughs> one job, but you know, I mean, it. I think it's a good thing to be a regular there. I yeah. went to California and I went there and they have margarita flights, which <sighs> is great. Yeah. They also have, don't you guys have Michelada flights too? We We do. Yeah, we awesome. do. It's the tacos for me. They're so good. <laughs> and this like carne asada flatbread thingy. Oh, yeah. I would right. say it's good hangover food, but um, I got drunk at your restaurant and left my food there. So it did. <laughs> That's yeah. a common theme with you getting drunk and leaving your food at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. I feel like you shouldn't even ask for your food to go anymore. I probably shouldn't. I, I probably shouldn't pack food to go. Yeah. But is that I, the secret to, to staying thin, Quinn? Is uh, just ordering food and not oh, eating it? I wouldn't know. I'm thick, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> She's all right, if we're, gonna, if we're gonna just lie on this podcast, I'm gonna have to leave now because we need to know all truth. Lie? I'm slim thick. What are you talking about? <laughs> she is slim thick. Haven't right. you been seeing her work out? Come on. Now. She has no. a Kanye workout plan. But yes, I need a workout plan. No, I mean, thank you very much for the high praise. You guys are awesome. Um, I would say that uh, opening a restaurant during a pandemic is not an ideal time to do it. 
um, opening wow. a business in any climate is always going to be tough. But, you know, the added pressure of uh, this this time has, has been been something um, I would say that, you know, put it this way, 60 percent of restaurants in general, people that have hundreds of years of success, you know, have closed their doors and will never reopen. So it wasn't the smartest time in the world. I'll tell you that. But we have been blessed that I, I think it's great having people that are innovators around you, right? Like you want to hire people that are good at their job, but then not stuck in their ways, which is which has been the, the key to, I think, our success. And I'm guessing your guys' success, too, because you guys have sustained a podcast through the pandemic as well. So We did. Yeah. There you go. How, did, how little, did you guys do that? I mean, I think that's a little bit more easier than running an actual restaurant in a business so like, kudos to you <laughs> we have other jobs like this is something that we we do as a passion project you know what i mean yeah, but it's yeah. not you know a survival thing and i think you know just talking to you and like hearing your story when me and chrissy were talking about you know having guests on here where you came from and like where you are is like it's really inspirational because you didn't quit like anybody else would have stopped like you actually opened during this Whereas other people, I feel like they would have kind of waited it out, kind of seen what was going to happen. But you pushed, you pushed through with it, it on the outside looking in. It didn't seem like you were stopping at all. I think what sounds what's funny about what you just said is right as it seems counterintuitive. It seems like when you want to make money doing something and you have to to survive, that it doesn't look like a passion project. But I think that's the reason that we've been able to survive. Right. Is because we believe just like what you guys do, you show up every week and do your podcast and you guys keep releasing it. It's the same way with the restaurant, right? It's like, I have no choice but to be successful because I made that decision, right? I made the decision. I was opening the restaurant, even though, you know, people as close to me and my family members thought I was crazy and told me, you know, I don't, I don't have restaurant experience. I've never even been a server at a restaurant, but I just believed in myself that you know, I was going to show up to work every day, put my hard hat on and, and ensure the success by just doing it. Same way you guys are doing with your podcast. Right. So you guys are probably gaining gaining listeners and followers and people that want to hear what you guys have to say simply because you guys show up, um, show up every week and provide content to them. And that that's all we try to do. I mean, that's all I try to do with any one of my businesses, just hold myself accountable and then be able to pivot. But Quinny, you, you know, you started working out. How'd you get slim thick, right? You started going to the gym. Yeah. You know, you made a decision. You're going to be there every day, no matter what. Ooh, type of night three times a week. Work. Let's not lie. Okay, <laughs> three well, times a week. <laughs> well, then you you post recycled uh, photos every day because what I see is every day workouts. There must be. And I did see the same outfit a few times. So you're right. He's lying. Right, Let me see. I said, do not embarrass me. <laughs> Don't try no, me. No, she goes Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. There you go. That's okay. why you my bestie, Chrissy. I know. You know my schedule. I know her schedule. <laughs> and on Tuesdays and Thursdays, she goes at 5 a.m. And on Fridays, yeah. she goes at 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. I have to yeah, know her schedule. Stalker, Chrissy, they're going to know where to find me. <laughs> they don't know where you work out at. I tell them. I but tag it. <laughs> I get what you're saying. It's consistency. And I learned that too with podcasts or anything you do. Consistency is key. You show up every day. You keep working hard and you keep going for it. It will eventually pay off. Trust me, right. there are times where me and Quinny did yeah. not want to record our podcast and right. we would have, we would just keep pushing it, pushing it off. 
until it would be like the night before and we'd be like, shit, we got to do it. Like yeah. we have to be consistent. So yeah. we have I'm to work now. And, and another thing the, too, I think the, it's interesting that you said, Mike, is about like, you know, your family and friends telling you not to do it. Me and Chrissy right. thought like, oh, the only people who are going to be listening are our family members. And most of our family members don't listen to our podcast. It's strangers that listen yeah. to us. We right. were like trending in South Africa. We don't know anyone in South Africa. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Weird. it's it's interesting. Do you you said you you don't have server experience and you've never you know owned a restaurant? What made you get into that? If I don't if you don't mind me asking. Well, I don't know if you guys remember, but I used to club promote. You know. Yeah. Oh, when uh, you were thought, yeah, we knew you in your thought days. We just weren't gonna be bringing that. I'm out. not gonna lie. You used to have like all the great parties. What was that place in Diamond Bar? It was the sports Sco- uh, scoreboard. 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 Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No. So <clears throat> that that experience is kind of what like doing that is what led to the restaurant because it was something where I just realized that people were treated so poorly on that side. Like I'm bringing all the business to your to your restaurant or bar, and then you kind of treat me like I'm chopped liver, right? So there was two things that was that were huge to me when in opening the restaurant. Number one, I knew that when I had a vision, it worked because I saw it with the clubs, right? I saw that we were able to get people places. So it was kind of like that field the dreams approach. If you build it, they will come. So I knew people would be at the restaurant. But then more important to me was that I wanted to create an experience for people because we're all like, you know, the same age, right? And where can we go? And in, we're the demographic of restaurants. Like, I, I don't know how many times you eat out a week, but I would say in general, people are eating out about 80% of their meals every week. And what do they want when they go there? Well, I, what I wanted was I didn't want to have to worry about doing dishes because I hate doing dishes personally. I don't want to have to worry about making five different plates because I have a daughter, right? I have a family. So when we eat together, it's like everybody wants something different, cooked differently. So I was like, well, I could create a hub where people could go and get the experience that I want from a restaurant outside of that. Just great great customer service, great experience-based restaurant. And when we opened up, our plan post-pandemic was to be more of like a dinner and a show concept as far as a restaurant. Obviously, COVID kicked that in the butt. But knowing that we wanted to give people a great experience is kind of what we built ourselves on. I'm super happy to hear that you love the food. But most important to me was that when you come there, you feel welcomed, you feel just happy to be there like people actually genuinely care about your experience and that's that's what we try to pride ourselves on and i think that's the reason we continue i mean we get we have regulars seven months into business so i mean it was important for us to have that kind of business model i think you guys are really unique in your business too because girls love selfies girls love pictures like I love if you've never been to the restaurant, like you go to the bathroom and if you have to wait, it's the best wait of your life because there's like this beautiful backdrop for pictures. I think I was there drunk and like one of the managers were taking like me and London's pictures for us. Oh, that's when we went before we went to the winery. Before we went to the wineries. Yeah. So it's like, I think when you say an experience, definitely an experience. Um, I never went when there was a show or anything like that. I've seen you like, um, like marketed and stuff like that. When you say dinner and a show, I think you did like a magic show or something like that. Yeah, so th- that was the, the concept, right? So what you're talking about right there with the backdrops, that's mm-hmm. our user-generated marketing plan, right? Like it was strategic that we thought of it. We wanted to have backdrops where people knew to go take pictures at. 
so that they would post those pictures and then that would market our restaurant on its own. Mm-hmm. And then the experiences that we're talking about as far as the shows, we wanted to have those Sunday through Thursday every night from six o'clock to nine o'clock mm-hmm. because we wanted to, I'm sorry, certain days, six to nine o'clock, other days, eight to 11. But because we wanted to fill in those hours that typically are slower at restaurants mm-hmm. and our business model was like restaurants and any venue was trying to figure out how to be busy kind of daily. We wanted to identify the hours of the day that were the slowest and figure out ways to fill those gaps. So traditionally in the restaurant industry, there's a lull after the dinner. So people will go to dinner six to eight and then leave and then eight and beyond is, is slow. So we thought of ways that we could creatively make those experiences, fill those gaps. But then we wanted to have, fam- we're in Temecula, right? Which is very much a blue collar, you know, hardworking town, a lot of construction workers, a lot of people that work outside of the city. We wanted to give them somewhere they can go to with their families when they got off, feel comfortable to drink, but then also get family entertainment versus the typical like comedy club, right? Where you're only going to get entertainment as a 21 and plus. So we didn't want to eliminate, we wanted somewhere and you guys have seen it like with the hot stone experience is like bottle service at a club is the way we bring out our fajitas, right? Mm-hmm. We wanted to yeah. give the, the seven-year-old the same experience that a club goer would have, the same experience that the 85-year-old would have at our restaurant. It's just something that is fun to everybody, you know? That is so, I didn't know that. I think that's really, really cool. I, think I didn't really know cool that. too. Yeah. Especially me and Quinny, you know, being servers in college growing up yeah. for many years of our life, I feel like we know the in and out of mm-hmm. restaurants. My sister yeah. is an operational manager for a huge concept of a restaurant. Um, so just hearing that, I know customer service when I go out is number one. And like you said, 80%. When I lived in New York, I didn't cook at all. I went out like every night. There was like maybe. Y'all rich. I got to cook for me and my baby. (laughs) I didn't. I mean, now I live in my own home in Atlanta. I kind of cook, but I don't eat out as much. But when I do eat out, I do enjoy an experience. Quinny knows that. I like go to a place that out here doesn't have the best food, has really good drinks, but I really go for the experience and the ambiance. They provide an experience for me. It's one of the reasons why I keep going back there. They provide yeah. a really fun experience. And I mean, you guys have great food. <laughs> so that really is definitely be back there. This place I went to have luck lobster food. They just have really good yeah. drinks. But their experience and their customer service is what's driving me back. So right. I 100% agree with that. When people have bad customer service, I'm like, why do I spend my money here? Why am I giving you my money? I'm not going right. to talk here. So it's are you of growing the business, Mike? Like, are you thinking of like expanding, expanding it? So our goal was always to expand prior to opening. And I think our magic number we want to get to is 10. So we would like to have 10 locations. We're in the process right now of opening up our second or securing the location, which we should have actually secured this week to opening up the second location and then potentially the third would be locked in by the end of this year. So our goal is to get to 10, 10 locations. So the pandemic is not stopping you. Like you're just going to keep like, keep rolling through it. What it has done because some, 
like the restaurant in- industry, as we all know, became so saturated, right? Like so many bad restaurants just popping up because they're like, you know, some cooking show was on TV. Somebody saw it and was like, man, I make better pad thai than that. Let me open up a Thai restaurant. And then all those restaurants, unfortunately for them, but opportunity for us has been that because nobody focused on the details of opening the restaurant and what they were trying to provide to their guests, that all those restaurants closed. And for us being the new guys during the pandemic has created this level playing field to where now we're not competing with the saturated market anymore. We're competing with the restaurants that survived. And a lot of those restaurants that survived are still kind of stuck in their ways. Like, as you know, because you're like you said, your sister is in like, running operations for a big restaurant company. They have policies that, I mean, kitchens in the United States are still running off French culinary um, hierarchy system from, from, you know, the 1900s, right? So the way that we get into the restaurant industry and, and have succeeded our business. I don't know if anybody, I'm going to drop this book to everybody that's listening to your podcast. It's called the culture code. What that book taught us long story short, you can read it, but there was an excerpt that really resonated with me, which was they put sixth graders against Harvard and Yale graduate students. They gave them the same materials, the same instruction to see who can build the tallest tower within an hour and the sixth graders won. And what they showed behind that study was the sixth graders were not fighting over who was in charge or who was the boss. They were just trying to accomplish the goal and they collaborated with one another. And that's what we're competing against in the industry is people that want to establish dominance and control and I'm the boss versus going and empowering their people to be leaders and come up with great ideas. And that, that's been really big to us. Like I, I could have came into the restaurant with a completely set menu for drinks and food, but I wanted to talk to my bartenders and my chefs and even the, the guy that's, the, uh, we've had one of our guys that worked in the dish pit has created a dish at the restaurant because we want to collaborate and empower our people so that they buy in. And, and ultimately when you have a happy staff that, that, that flows over to happy guests. And that's what we wanted to create. And that's just a different business model. When you say we, do you have business partners? Uh, yes, I have okay. my, my, the operation, the operational side is myself and my partner, Anthony. And then we have a few small investors as well, but we own the large majority of the restaurant. So I, that's, that's great that you have investors and getting investors during a time like this is just, you know, you just, most people are like backing out of that. So for your business to be growing during a pandemic speaks to like, whatever you guys are doing is obviously working. So, you know, I appreciate that. I mean, I feel like your business model, a lot of businesses could take away from that and run on that. When you talk to your people and your people feel empowered around you, just like you said, a, someone that is a dish guy created a, dish that's empowering for him you know that he sees on his menu that's saying nobody in your staff is less than like we're gonna listen to everybody and I feel a lot of companies need to run their businesses that way I think with COVID a lot of companies are realizing that they need to listen to their employees to see what is happening you know or how things should be ran because technically your employees are the ones that are like 
the forefront, you know, they hear and they see everything. So I definitely feel yeah. like that is how businesses should be ran. And I say kudos to you. And yeah. So you do have investors. Are your investors more like quiet investors? They don't have any say, right? Yeah, we, we, we've dealt only with passive investors. Our, okay. our, like, again, we want, we've always wanted to expand. And yeah. then our goal, you know, just to be frank, is always to expand, build it up, and then sell it as, as a concept and yeah. developing it on, like, different avenues of business. But yeah. I want to tap into what you just said because I, I think it's super important for anybody that's starting a business and that's working with other people. I'm a story guy. I'm going to give you guys another quick story. It's okay, we love stories. We do. Okay, so there, spill there the was tea. A, <laughs> spill the tea. So okay, so there, I read this thing that was super interesting to me, and I and I and I we really let it like pour over into the business. So anyway, long story short, if you guys are familiar with an assembly line, in an assembly line, if any portion of that assembly line breaks, the whole thing breaks. The whole you can't produce anything. So there was this company that a portion of their their assembly long story short they were they were uh tubing the uh toothpaste and then boxing it and then sending it out for distribution on an assembly line well they were sending out empty boxes so there were boxes that were not filled with toothpaste so they hired a company to come in and fix the assembly line to where it would um you know make sure that every single box was filled with toothpaste they spent over a million dollars to fix this problem, brought in the number one engineering company in the world to fix this problem on their assembly line. Six months after it happened, they, they came back and they evaluated, the engineers came back and evaluated. They're like, wow, it's a hundred percent efficiency. There's never been another empty box of toothpaste that has been sent out. And we fixed the problem. We wanted to know. They uh, wanted to go back to this <clears throat> assembly line to figure out how the problem got solved with a hundred percent efficiency. So this company was really, you know, happy that they were able to hire this engineering firm to fix the problem. So they brought them back in, they go to the part of the assembly line that's broke and there is a fan on the floor set up that is blowing at the assembly line. And they notice one of the boxes fly off of the assembly line and the owner of the company that is boxing these toothpaste tubes uh, says, what is that for? And they said, the fan is there so that if any of the boxes are still empty, it blows off of the assembly line, right? So here this company went and invested a million dollars in a <laughs> problem that a $14 room fan solved. The moral of the story is, is that you have to, like we talked about, empower your staff and go to them to help them, to get them to help you solve problems, right? And so... A lot of these companies are so far detached from the job that they think they can make policies, spend all this money and invest in all these things when all they have to do is go to their leaders to find out those solutions. And that's why it's super important to us in my business, especially, is to create leaders and create people that know we believe in them and feel confident that they have a voice and that they can come directly to us with solutions to the problems that we face. And for that reason, I think is one of the reasons that we've became so successful in such a short period of time. And I think that's what will ultimately lead to continued success with our brand and, and with anything that I do. I've learned so much through this process, but that that's one of the most, 
the most important lessons that we learned for sure. That's awesome. That's what's the, name of the, what's the name of the book again? Cultural. Culture code. I got culture code. Anybody that's starting a business book one that you read is called the raving fan book one. It'll take you. If you are a slow reader, it'll take you three, maybe four hours. It'll give you three principles, the customer service that will set you apart from most other businesses that you're not. We're we're only competing with ourselves to get better. But the way our business is going to be evaluated is amongst other businesses doing the same thing as us. That book will give you the immediate step one. And how do I how do I set myself apart from the customer service standpoint? That story blew my mind. It It literally took a fan. Like that, it's ingenious. It's super smart, but I literally was like waiting for this big ingenious thing they did. So they got paid a million dollars to put $14 fans. And still have the problem. That's the thing. It's, you still have a problem. They're empty boxes. They just fly away. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) that's, that's the thing. Do they ever fix anything? No, they just solved the problem. They fixed it to not send out empty boxes there you go so now they could take those empty basket boxes and realize oh you know we need to put something in it so did they solve a problem yes for their consumers did they solve a problem within why two paces and getting in them no that's a bigger problem that's not a but problem though. they made the it job, they made it so it's not a problem the people actually did what they were hired to do well no so that's the thing is the engineering company didn't fix the problem. The yeah. employer fixed the problem by putting the fan there. And they would have known that if they had just given the ah. problem. Oh, so no, the I engineering get it. company okay. didn't bring the fan. They just. Oh, I thought they brought the fan. No. And I was like, they're ingenious and they're smart. The freaking employees did that. What? Yep. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Man, you know what's crazy? What I learned through this process, like people are so focused on management. Right. When it yes. management, that has to do with inventory. That has to do with product. That doesn't have to do with people. Nope. Right. We need people to be leaders and to be leaders and the most powerful version of themselves. They have to learn how to be empowered to do their job. And if you don't empower people like as an owner of a business, my customer service is to my staff. Right. I have to treat them great and get them motivated to work. And I, I don't mean motivated like where they have to have this different level of energy than anybody else. I mean, give them the exact system, how to do the job. So where their default way of showing up to work is already better than another place, right? Put them on autopilot so that they do their job great without having to overthink it. Yeah. You know? Have you always had this like business mindset or would you say like for someone who's just, just starting off and they don't know where to start, right, would you say read? Well, it's funny that you asked that question. I started my first business when I was in the fifth grade. So I, I started Stop a business. <laughs> no, I was in my neighborhood as a fifth grader. And in the summertime, I noticed that a lot of people had dirty cars in the neighborhood. And what I did was I picked the group of kids that were in my, you know, friends. We would go play football or whatever in the neighborhood. I took them out and I said, look, let's get together and go around and ask people if they want to get their car washed. So they get their car washed by us. We're going to charge them $5 for the outside, $5 for the inside. I turned that into a $20,000 business in the first summer. And so, yeah, I would say that 
In no, the he wasn't grade? five. He was in the fifth grade. He was like, That's, I know I messed up. I mean, in the fifth grade. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That so it's not reading a book. So you would just say that's just like in your spirit, like you have an entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, I mean, I the biggest thing for me is I never wanted to work for anybody, right? Like I hated the thought process of somebody telling me how to do a job when most of the time I know how to do it better because I'm the type of person, not only am I going to try to find the way to do it efficiently, but I'm also going to try try to find the way to do it and organize it to where anybody can do the job well. And that, I, w- I wouldn't say that's natural. I would say I'm just the type of person, honestly, that in, in the corporate context is lazy, right? Like I don't want to work as hard as everybody else when I can find an easier way to do it. And then I realize that's a skill set in itself, right? Finding a system that we can input to make our business multiply is my skill set. Okay, another quick story. Jack Ma, we all know who he is right? The owner of Alibaba, which mm-hmm. is the China version of Amazon. He, he said he got turned down every job he ever tried to get a bunch of things like that, right? He said his only skill set was to get smart people to work together. A lot of smart people can get people that aren't smart to work hard for them. What is a super skill set and super important for business owners is to find out how do I get my smartest people, the people that are my best staff to work together and collaborate to solve problems and when you're able to do that that's when your business will scale itself you dropped some gems on us this is exactly what we wanted for our episode and for our listeners who are like I know, thinking that's of starting I, a business i told him i was like he's dropping some gems by the way guys he's also still at his restaurant Oh yeah, the, the business does not stop. Because the business he's... does not stop. <laughs> I like that you like take the time out to come on our little podcast to drop these gems. To drop the... these gems for our listeners. Yeah, and you know, I feel I... like they resonate in any business. I feel like I thought we were going to be talking more specifically about like restaurant business, but I feel like the stuff that you're talking about, you can use it in any field. Yeah, for sure. Right. Super important, like another thing, like people that are hiring staff, you always want to make your goal to where your staff has life skills that they could carry into any business. Yeah. Right. Make make sure they're better off in the workforce than you left them before you hired them. Right. So that is that that's exactly what my my thought process is when I hire people is how can I make them better off just to the world? So I, I do leadership trainings every week at a restaurant, mind you. This isn't right. like you know, a different business. This is a, a business where I bring people in and I think to myself, how do I take this person who might not know anything about business and teach them everything that I know so mm-hmm. that they can get better just in life? And and we've taken 19, I have 19 year olds at my company that will run circles around a lot of employees that have college degrees and everything just because we're dedicated to improving them. So like cultivating the talent, cultivating the tills, the skills that they already have. That's yep. good. I that's mean, really, really that dope. is, I read a lot and that's one of the consistencies I read in people who are very successful is about still training your staff, putting more into them. You know, like you said, you have these leadership conferences weekly and a lot of people don't do that. They don't want to put more into their staff but they want their staff to keep doing so much for them in all 
aspects of business. And I feel like you can only keep learning. So why not invest in them to keep learning, you know, to keep teaching. So I think that's amazing. Kudos. Thanks guys. Mike, and I are you to you guys have supported the restaurant and um I'm happy to be here to support your guys' podcast because I think it's great, especially young black women empowering themselves to take it upon themselves to do something that maybe, you know, you guys, I'm sure, talked about a wide array of topics, but, you know, business and relationships are important, right? So, uh, Christy was telling me about your guys' memoirs of a fuckboy podcast. Of a reformed, reformed. Reformed fuckboy. Yeah. I don't know how reformed it was. Yeah. It's reformed. Yeah. Um, my favorite episode is FML, um, Fuckboys, Mistakes, and Lessons. That's by far my favorite episode that we ever recorded, just because it was just so much fun. It was so lighthearted, and I felt like that's when our podcast, we got more comfortable with each other, you know, Chrissy? Yeah, that was like our third um, episode. But like, it was rough when we first started, because, you know, I'm not a podcaster. This is, you know. Just and I talk for, for work on webinars, but... It's different when you're trying to educate people on the webinar than what we actually do on our podcast. Cause yeah, um, ours is more conversational. I don't cuss on my webinars for work. I'm a nurse, so this is completely different. But no, Mike, if you're not familiar with our podcast, we have a segment that we call "Shut Up and Whine About It." Oh yes, that's it. Um, so it's for someone or something or usually a person that you basically just want them to shut up and whine about like, like shut, shut up, up and have go a glass away. of wine it's not yeah. that serious like it's not so that serious shut up guest, have a glass of wine and go away yeah so since you're our guest you get to tell us a shut up and whine about it um topic not to put you on the spot but you're on the spot <laughs> you're on the okay spot. So explain to me what i'm doing here again okay go Courtney. you explain it better give me an so example Give me an example. So you wanted so last last week the shut up and wine. Who did we do? Oh, we did the country singer. That's at the oh the country singer who likes to use the n word. Um, so we were just like, you know what? Just shut up and whine about it. It used to be Fifty Cent, even though I hope he never listens. And oh my god, just Fifty Cent for a really long time. (laughs) Yeah, because he just is problematic. So I'm like, just shut up. No one cares what you have to say. And just have some wine. So, who's so your shut up and wine? To shut up from talking. To shut up from yeah. talking. Yeah, you want them to wine. shut up. And then, and then you have to have tell us why. Up. You have to tell us yeah. why. Like, what's the annoying thing? Wow. <laughs> this is putting me on the spot. I, I don't know. I, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm not really into pop culture right now. I don't. I mean, it could be a person in your life. <laughs> yeah. It could yeah. be like stupid restrictions that you have. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. The governor. The only only person right now that, and honestly, I would love for him to hear it. If you can get him, is our is our is our. uh... Wait, we can't hear you. Wait, say it again. We can't hear you. We can hear you. I said our non-fearless leader, Gavin Newsom. I wish he would (laughs) shut up. Because you know what I'll tell you. I am in the front lines of the people that are affected the most of restaurants being shut down in California, businesses being shut down in California. California is the number one 
tightest restrictions in the United States. Mm-hmm. We have the most cases, the most deaths. We've been the harshly, the most affected. So his policy, whatever he's doing, isn't working. No, right? People are going to sneak out and do it because yeah. you're people not allowed are going to freely do it. Yeah, right. People are doing whatever the fuck they want, anyways. Mm-hmm. So that's a retard. It's retarded to give somebody that that sort of tyrancy to be able to shut people's livelihoods down when they get to decide what's better for people's lives. And I hate watching it because I'm dealing with employees that literally not during the holidays couldn't enjoy Christmas. They couldn't eat, you know, their family members were starving, you know, for 1400 bucks doesn't help a family of four eat, you know? So we decided that we were going to keep our restaurant open during those times to support those people. And I went to my staff and I asked them, I said, Hey guys, it's up to you what you guys want to do. We're here to support you either way. And we put our business at risk to make sure that these people were supported. And I hate, I hate a climate and 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 an environment where, you know, they always look, I'm a white guy, right? So your privilege, check your privilege at the door. When you can tell people of color, people, my entire kitchen staff is Hispanic, right? I have uh, African-Americans that work for me. I have my general manager is a woman and she's Hispanic. You know, my business partners have black, have white. And I see the way that it affects not only them and their families, but for a, a white guy to represent us as a, as a state, the one of the big, largest gross domestic products in the entire world, and to shut us down where 98 per, 98% of the businesses in California are small businesses. Yeah. Small business being shut down because of a guy that's a white dude with his winery open, drinking wine, fucking the regular people in California. And I, and I really just, I hate listening to the dude talk. Because I'm in the front lines and I see the people that are the most affected by it. And it's not rich white guys that own wineries that are being affected by it. It's the people that work for us every day. The true frontline employees, not just the nurses, not just the doctors, but the people that are serving us are food. Take food away for 30 days and take hospitals away for 30 days and see see how fast people die. Which pick one. Are they dying more from the hospitals or more from food? Because people don't know how to cook anymore. They don't know where to find their groceries. So they're shutting down everything that is in respect to that. So, you know, that's the one part. I'm Shut sorry. To take no, that's a good one. No, I, I agree good. with you. Yeah. Shut up and wine. Yeah. Gavin Newsom. I said it. I said it. <laughs> There's too many shutdowns and F him because he have friends have a lot of small businesses in California and they were, they were getting screwed yeah, over. A lot of our friends were, yeah. yeah that's we're why we did this episode over. just because, yeah. So, and I wasn't going to bring it up because I didn't want to, you know, put anybody on blast. But yeah, you didn't <laughs> shut down during that. And I was like, oh, maybe I, I won't touch on that. But I, it's good to know that it was your employees who made that decision and yeah. that they wanted to be. Open. And people can make those choices, you know, and be safe. And if you're safe enough to go to Target, how come you can't have a meal? Yeah. I mean, if you're safe enough to do any type, right? Who, why do people, why is there a person in charge that gets to make the decisions that affects every single buddy's life, every single buddy's life that they're making that decision for, and they're not consulting with those people. They're literally signing a piece of paper. It's my decision. It's like a a, a brat throwing a temper tantrum. I mean, I hate my governor too, but my governor opened up in June and we have not shut down. Not one time. Restaurants, clubs. I'm not going to anyone's club, but all I've gone to restaurants, they're open and we are not 
as high as California cases. We're not as high as deaths, but we still have been open since June. We All were right. the first state to open back up. Our governor was dumb for it, but like, I mean, was he dumb though? You know I know. I That's what like, I also have to be like, was he dumb? I, don't I know. mean, I travel to Atlanta every other month because you guys are open. <laughs> That's true. You do. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was restaurants that chose not to open, but majority of the restaurants had to reopen for livelihood. So I definitely get it. Um, and the second part that you have our segment, Mike, that is, we end on yeah. is our cheers. Have, to. So we have a high and a low. So our high is our cheers to. Who would you like to cheers to this week? Who would I like to cheers to this week? You know what, guys? I'm a cheers to you. I'm proud of you guys for being two young Black women, pursuing your dreams, and doing a darn good job of it. So cheers to the broken people. Thank you, Mike. And cheers to Be Good Temecula. Um, Everyone, try the Temecula. And go to be good if you haven't. Temecula, California, be good restaurant and experience. Holla at your boy. <laughs> All right, guys. This has been another episode of the Broken Bougie Podcast. Until next time. Appreciate yeah. it. Bye.